gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I am your host and your narrator, Spring Heel Jack, and today I will bring you the dramatic conclusion to the fuck-awful saga of David Barker Ray, a.k.a. the Toy Box Killer, a.k.a. the inspiration for the voice of Saw, Mr. Uh, Mr. Fucking Fuck Dungeon. This guy's gross. The more I read about him, like the more fucking deep I notice that the rabbit hole goes. There's so much tied up into this case, it's not even funny. Uh, sorry that I am a little late with this episode. I started recording this episode a few days ago, and uh, as I've mentioned before, I work overnight, so I fell asleep while I was recording it, and I discovered after five hours of dead air that I am quite the sleep talker so maybe I'll upload some of that a little bit uh, at the end of the episode and thoroughly amuse me when I listen to it I was giggling I say some pretty outlandish shit and um so anyway I'm a few days late and I apologize but thank you very much for tuning back in I appreciate each and every one of you thank you for the reviews thank you for the subscribes but if you could continue to do that it would be much appreciated so, we left off with David Parker Ray. He was, uh, they were trying to find charges on him, and they had just kidnapped Kelly Garrett, I believe. So after arresting Ray, the police gained a warrant to search his home and trailer. What they found shocked and disturbed them. Ray's self-titled, or the thing that he named the toy box, which was uh, his disgusting fuck dungeon... It contained a gynecologist-type table in the middle with a mirror mounted to the ceiling so you could get the least flattering angle of anybody, uh, and so that they could see the horrors delivered upon them from him. Littering the floor were whips, chains, pulleys, straps, clamps, leg spreaders, surgical blades, saws, and numerous fuck toys. There was a wooden contraption used to bend over and immobilize Ray's victim while he, his friends, and his dog would rape them. On the walls were detailed diagrams showing different methods and techniques for inflicting pain, and also pictures of his victims. In the trailer, the toy box killer, the police discovered a videotape from 96, showing a terrified woman being raped and tortured by Ray and his girlfriend. With the publicity surrounding the arrest of David Parker Ray, uh, considering the disturbing circumstances of the crime, another woman came forward with a very similar story. Angelica Montano was an acquaintance of Ray's who, after visiting his house to borrow cake mix, we talked about her, had been drugged, raped, and tortured by Ray before being left on the highway out in the desert. It was there that she was found by police, but there had not been a follow-up case because she had scattered memories about it, I believe. Because Ray often used drugs that would induce amnesia and memory loss in his victims, like a uh, truth serum, a.k.a. sodium pentothal, or phenobarbital, so that they could not properly remember what happened to him. Those are the MK Ultra drugs as well, I believe. So with this stronger case now, now with two victims testifying to the crimes, the police were able to put the arm down hard on Ray's stupid girlfriend, Hendy, the white trash wonder, who quickly folded and began telling everybody that would listen what she knew of the murders. Her testimony led the police to discover that Ray had been helped in the abductions and the murders by his daughter, Glenda, Jesse Ray, and her friend, Dennis Roy Yancey. 
Yancey admitted to participating in the murder of a one Marie Parker, a woman who had been abducted, drugged, tortured, raped for days by Ray and his daughter before Yancey strangled her to death in 1997. So a little bit more about the abduction of Kelly Garrett. After releasing details about the woman in the video, she was identified by her, by her ex-mother-in-law as Kelly Garrett, who was a former friend of Ray's daughter. On July 24, 1996, Garrett, after getting into a fight with her then-husband, decided to spend the night playing pool at the local saloon with Jesse. Jesse roofied Garrett's beer, and she and her father placed a dog collar and leash on her and brought her into the trailer. He then raped her and tortured her for a few days, keeping her on uh, date rape drugs the entire time. But after these two days, Ray slit her throat and dumped her on the side of the road somewhere. But miraculously, she survived this encounter, but neither her husband nor the police believed her story. In fact, her husband, believing she was just out cheating on him, filed for divorce. Due to the effects of the drugs that uh, Ray put her on, Garrett had limited recollections of the events over the last, over those two days, but remembered being raped by the toy box killer. The drugs, as well as the socioeconomic standing of many women involved, made it difficult for the testimony to be accepted by most juries. Hookers, drug addicts, the uh, out fringes of society. He was pretty fucking clever with how he picked his victims. Or they were just the most vulnerable, I think, but it worked out in his favor. He was able to beat two of the cases put against him almost immediately. The Toy Box Killer was sentenced to 224 years before all was said and done for numerous offenses. And these offenses involved abduction, torture, um, of just the three women that they were aware of directly. Jesse Ray, his daughter, received a sentence of nine years. Cindy Hindi was given 36 years in prison. Uh, unfortunately, David Ray Parker died of a heart attack on May 28, 2002, three years into his sentence. Doesn't seem fair to me. But in, in the investigation of David Parker Ray's trailer, police found evidence of numerous more killings, including diaries written by Ray, where he detailed the murder of at least 50 other women. Despite the evidence, though, the, the authorities were unable to create case files for any of them, or identify even a name with an association in the journal. Though Hendy and Yancey both identified areas they believed Ray had disposed of these bodies, they found no human remains there when they went and looked. It's believed that a serial killer who put this amount of effort into his fuck dungeon and who killed numerous women over so many years would likely have a greater number of victims and a foolproof, almost, method of disposing of them. The many unidentified personal effects and jewelry found in the trailer also point to a greater number of victims for the Toy Box Killer. We're still getting good leads, FBI spokesman Frank Fisher said about the Toy Box Killer in 2011. And as long as we're getting those leads, and as long as the exposure in the press keeps generating interest in the case, we are going to keep investigating it. Good for you. Ah, man, I hate this fucking guy. So, they found these notebooks, right? His notebooks reveal the mind of a man who said he started raping and torturing women when he was 15. They also suggest he murdered up to 60, 65 women. However, he died of a heart attack, like I said, while serving a 224-year prison sentence for kidnapping and torture. But he was never charged with murder. They couldn't charge him. Not only was he meticulous in torturing his victims, he was also very thorough when it came to hiding and disposing of bodies. 
In 99, a naked woman wearing only a dog collar and a chain frantically pounded on the front door of a trailer home in hot and barren town of Elephant Butte, New Mexico, begging its residents to call the police. Cynthia Jaramillo said that she had been held captive as a sex slave for only three days, only, but three days, by a local worker for the Parks Department named David Parker Ray. Southern New Mexico, for those of you that don't know, is where the world's first atomic bomb was detonated back in 1940s, and uh, it looks like it. The entire area is a giant flat dust bowl, and it appears to be devoid of life and seemingly stretches on forever. I happen to like the desert, but most people don't. It's here that this is one of the nation's least densely populated and most impoverished states. Huge open stretches where drifters and people on the run go to escape justice or avoid trouble. And over the years, the town of Elephant Butte, the slightly larger but still tiny city of truth or consequences, became magnets for drifters, grifters, and criminals. The nauseating case of David Parker Ray, who inflicted the unconscionable levels of pain on his kidnapped sex slaves, is intriguing, not only because he got away with it for decades, but because his own daughter, girlfriend, and other friends participated in these crimes with him. I don't know how, how he did that. So it's difficult to tell how much of Ray's personal accounts were true, and how much was bullshit, but three women who testified against him in court on the kidnapping and torture charges describe extended abuse that suggests Ray was not lying about anything in his journals. He would sometimes pose as a policeman, pointing a gun at a victim and forcing her or him, my mistake, forcing her into his car before taking her back to the white trailer that was his toy box. Other times he'd spike the drinks of women he met at the Blue Water Saloon in Truth or Consequences. Once his victims were injected with drugs and strapped into their gynecological chair in the toy box, Ray and often his girlfriend Cindy Hindi, and sometimes numerous others, all of which Ray alleged were members of the Church of Satan, would take turns raping the women in every hole, and if they resisted, they would be beaten down and threatened violently. In the notes, Ray claims to have cut the nipples off one victim and the clit of another woman who got too feisty. Hendy claims that when she accompanied Ray to several sites where he disposed of the bodies, uh, and he's, and says he once confessed to her that he'd killed about 40 women. No one can verify that, and uh, she's a liar, just inherently. So I take everything she says with a shot of penicillin. Fuck her. Fuck him. Sitting amidst Ray's sprawling, dusty property was a soundproofed white trailer that he'd specifically rigged for performing torture on unwilling victims. Festooned on every wall were whips and chains, pulleys, clamps, handcuffs, dildos, and uh, many of the dildos were spiked and elephant-sized. Huge. If you want to get sick to your stomach, check out the pictures from the the forensic pictures of this place. Many were store-bought, while others were handcrafted to deliver maximum amounts of pain. In the center of the trailer sat that famous chair, his pride and joy, in which victims were strapped and drugged before enduring days of rape and torture. He kept the trailer well-stocked with syringes, as well as sodium pentothal and phenobarbital, which would not only render them unconscious, it would erase almost every single memory of their time in captivity, leaving only brief flashes of what happened. There was also a fur-lined coffin, steel devices designed to spread out a woman's legs to the point that it caused severe pain, medical instruments, a hand-designed instrument to deliver electrical shock, 
Ray's toy box also contained a steel cage custom-fitted to enable Ray's dogs to rape his sex slaves while he and his friends watched and laughed. On the wall was a large sign in block letters that read, Satan's Den. Perhaps even more startling, though, than the equipment, was the audio tape that I played last time for his victims when they regained consciousness. Usually they started with something like, Hello, bitch. Ray goes into a psychotically cruel detail about the uh, tortures that they were about to face and how helpless they were uh, in regards to doing anything about it. So, it's... Maybe I'll, I'll play some more of the tapes later, but they were very cruel, as you were able to hear from the 20-minute tape I played last time. So when the naked and dog-collared Cynthia Germio had a neighbor of Ray's call the police, Ray and Hendy were immediately apprehended. Although Hendy initially kept her mouth shut, she cracked under a little bit of pressure and started telling the police everything she knew like a fucking snitch. She accepted a plea deal on kidnapping and rape charges and was sentenced to only 36 years in prison. She, I believe, was paroled recently or will be paroled in 2020. For her role in helping him procure sex slaves and actively participating in the day-long day -long torture and murder of her friend, um, and... Oh, God, yeah. His daughter, Jessie, received a nine-year sentence. That's it. Jesus. Ray was charged with kidnapping and rape in the case of three women. Jeremio, a local woman named Kelly Van Cleve, and a Colorado woman he had abducted in 96. And he was found guilty and sentenced to 224 years. Police continued investigating Ray on the murder charges and found a break in the case when a co-worker of Ray's named Dennis Roy Yancey confessed to torturing and killing Yancey's ex-girlfriend along with Ray. He was found guilty of second-degree murder and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, and he was handed two 15-year terms. That's Yancey. He was paroled in 2010, but he violated his parole almost immediately, which sent him back to prison for his full sentence, and he's scheduled to be released within the next four years. Fucking asshole. About a year after his conviction, Ray died of a heart attack while being transported for an interrogation on suspicion of murder. Police have never found a single corpse that they could pin on David Parker Ray. Even though he died, of, died in prison, it was of natural causes. He very likely got away with murder. At least one, or sixty. Impossible to tell. Son of a bitch. So I found this, this um... It's grain of salt time, but it's supposedly written by somebody that shared a property line with him. So one of his neighbors wrote this, allegedly. Uh, no name. I found it on, on Reddit, but way back in Reddit. So it looks pretty legit, but take it, take it for what it's worth. So this is a story about David Parker Ray. Not 100% on the validity, obviously, but it, it reads pretty legitimate. Like I said, there's a few details about David Parker Ray that I'd never heard when I was doing research. Um, and take it for what it's worth. A few years ago, a fellow was arrested in truth or consequences, and it turned out that he was a serial killer and a sadist that liked to torture women. This creep lived right behind our property at Elephant Booty Lake, and we knew him well, David Parker Ray. He had worked for the State Parks Department for many years, and we saw him either at his home, which was just across a chain-link fence, or on the lake daily. 
There were many things that we saw that made us wonder about that dude. The most obvious was the fact that he often tied his naked girlfriend up on the picnic table outside and whipped her. This is kind of a dead giveaway. He also had big parties at his house, and when he did, you could hear screams of pain coming from inside the house. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, you heard that and you didn't do anything? Say so you're uh, towing the line of being complicit. On the 4th of July of 96, the family, about 40 people, were at our lake house, and across the fence there was a hell of a party going on. Lots of people, lots of screaming, and all the windows and shades were pulled down as per usual. That afternoon I had been spearfishing at a favorite spot in the lake, which was an isolated cove in a spot that very few people ventured. The water was very murky, and I was not having a good day. I had dropped my expensive spear gun in the water and couldn't see it because of the bad visibility. I was gritting the area, feeling for my gun in the silty bottom, and after about four hours I ran out of air and had to give up. I went to the local dive shop to get my tanks filled and went back to the cabin. Our big family was having a fish fry and it was noisy as fuck. Even above the din of 40 people partying, you could still hear an occasional scream. It was weird, but whenever anyone would mention something, or somebody else would point out that there were two local policemen in attendance over there, their cars were parked outside. So things must be okay, because it happened often, and we had, be we had become complacent about it. The next morning, I went and picked up my scuba tanks, and I went back to the cove. I had been in the water about five minutes when I felt something. It was not my spear gun, but it was a gun. I knew by the feel that it was a Colt-type revolver, and it had the trap door open. I immediately surfaced. I was in five feet of water that looked like chocolate milk. And when my head popped up, I saw David Parker Ray getting into his truck. It was parked right next to my Land Cruiser, and leaving up the road, I saw him well. He had thrown that gun into the lake, a brand new Brazilian 22 caliber revolver built on the Colt patent. Now I knew that this dude was a freak, and I was not about to approach him and tell him that I had found his gun in the lake. I knew a lot of ladies in uh, Truth or Consequences, and they all said that that guy had raped them. It was a small town, and everyone knows everybody, and besides, a fellow that he was friends with had just been found at the bottom of the lake and he had 40 pounds of nuts and bolts and washers in his stomach weighting him down. Someone, they thought that somebody had made him eat all of those before they threw him into the lake, but reality, they hadn't. David Parker Ray would get drunk in the Blue Water Saloon and brag about how many people he'd killed, and also that he had hid the body so well that no one will ever be found. I was not about to go to the police with it either, because that is just a whole different can of worms around here. And since he had a lot of policemen friends, I decided to just keep the gun and my mouth shut. Commendable. It was about two years later that we were getting the cabin ready for springtime. I was on the roof servicing the air conditioner. My stepbrother and cousins were doing some plumbing around back. And at one point I heard a commotion, saw a naked woman with a steel collar around her neck sprinting down the road in front of David Parker Ray's house the next street over. She was all bloody on her head and screaming for help, but before anyone could get around the block to her, a neighbor had her under control, and they were taking her into the house. So David's girlfriend, Cindy, was standing in the backyard, and her head was bleeding. She went back inside, and within a few minutes, she got in her car and just took off. And we didn't think anything of it. Well, that was how he was exposed, though. There have been several books written about him and his deeds, but he was right there, he, he was right about nobody ever finding the bodies, because I believe that he cut them up, put them in 55-gallon drums, filled the drums with concrete, and used them to anchor the buoys and docks in the Elephant Butte Lake. Wow. 
Although he was a mechanic at the motor pool, I often saw him on the lake with a winch boat pulling buoys. In his playhouse, where he kept his torture shit and the video cameras, there was a map of the lake with X's on it. The state police said they could not figure it out. But we all gave our statements, and we all offered to take them one by one to the buoys in question that I knew personally he had set within a couple days after he threw the gun, but they were not interested. I showed them which X it was on the map, but they didn't seem to think it was important, so I dropped it. He had also buried something very deep near his fence, because the previous year when he installed his playhouse, there was so much dirt moved that it buried half of our lot, and I had to get the backhoe to dig out the, the, the water valves. They did some type of a scan and said there was no cavity under the playhouse, but I believe that there is something buried there to this day. His playhouse was a 12 by 24 industrial trailer, like a military radio trailer, had a bunch of dishes and antennas on it where he would be broadcasting his killings to a car dealer in Phoenix. Huh. They said that the two were in cahoots and he sold the films to perverts. They estimated that his playhouse was worth about $100,000. This guy worked for $9 an hour as a mechanic. After it was all said and done, they never found any of the victims. It's estimated that he killed 40 to 60 women and at least 10 to 15 men over a 40-year period. I believe that most of them are in drums filled with concrete at Elephant Butte Lake. Some of these drums, including the one that I saw, that I saw him set after the big party, are out of the water sitting on the beach. The drought has lowered the lake levels substantially. The pistol that I found had spent two cases and two live rounds coming up in the cylinder. The trap door was open. Of course, I told the state police investigators about the gun too, but they were completely uninterested. They did not see the use in having a murder weapon if there were no bodies. So, there is my story of the metallic forensic evidence. I will post a link to David Parker Ray on Wikipedia if any of you are interested in knowing more. There are a couple of books out there about him too, and all you have to do is Google David Parker Ray and you'll hear many of the shocking details about this freak and serial killer. Oh, and tonight, if I can get a connection from the house, I will post a photo of the pistol that he shot Marie Parker with after she was strangled to death on July 4th, 1998. And sure enough, he posted that fucking picture. He certainly posted the picture of a 22 caliber Brazilian-made revolver. Well, that's something. It looks like it even looks like it was in a lake for a little bit. As promised, I have another... The second part of the jigsaw tapes, or call them what you will, I have the second part of the fucking lost tapes of this fucking asshole, Toy Box Killer. Um, I just listened to it for the first time. It's pretty fucking rough, and here it is. David Parker Ray's transcript, uh, as read by some fuckboy on YouTube that probably is getting off to it. Keep your mouth shut, learn the rules, and survive. We were into S&M and you're going to be hurt a little, but everything we do to a girl is designed to cause pain, not injury. There is a big difference. No matter how painful it is, nothing that we plan to do to your body will cause any serious or permanent damage. I'm not lying to you or trying to make it sound easier, because that would be pointless. I'm just telling it like it is. That's the way we do things and that's the way it's going to be, unless we have problems with you. I've already told you that you're going to be whipped lightly, for pleasure. The electroshock will be used lightly, for pleasure. Most of the other little nasty things that we're going to do, for the most part, will be done on your breasts, nipples, and between your legs. The lady is fortunate. She can get off any time. 
She just likes to be a little sadistic with a slave once in a while. In my case, I cannot get off with a girl unless I hurt her first. That's basically the reason I'm into rape and slavery, and the reason that you're going to be subjected to a certain amount of pain. Mostly what we do to a captive is stick needles in her breasts and through her nipples, through her cunt lips, through her clit, and I'm into stretching certain things. Clamps with long nylon cords on each one will occasionally be put on your continent so your pussy can be pulled open. And they're also going to be attached to your nipples. The nylon cords will be put through ceiling rings or rings on each side of the table and pulled very tightly to stretch your tits. Occasionally, your clit will also be clamped and stretched, and we're going to use a lot of dildos. The dildos are going to be used a lot more than anything else, and consequently, what you're going to have the most trouble with. Many of them are long, very large in diameter, and very painful while they're being forced in. Your mistress will use them in your pussy, and I like to use them in both holes. Actually, that pretty well covers it. There's going to be a few other little things that we do. Nothing of any greater consequence, and not often. Just variety. As far as needles go, they'll always be sterilized. The clamps are going to hurt like a motherfucker, but they won't cause any permanent injury. They don't even break the skin. As far as the dildos go, both of those holes between your legs will stretch a hell of a lot. It'll hurt, but they'll stretch. Your pussy is designed for a baby to come out of it, and we won't be using anything bigger than that. The really large ones will not be used in your butt. I don't want to stretch that hole so big, and it's not usable for fucking. Anyway, that pretty well covers that part of it. Let's see, what have I missed? Let's talk about screaming. Every once in a while, we get a screamer. Some bitch that just wants to scream all the time, and it definitely gets him in trouble, because it gets on my nerves. Very shortly, that gag is going to be removed. We live in an isolated area, so screaming is not usually a problem. In the playroom, it's not much of a problem at all because of the soundproofing, but it irritates the fuck out of me. There is a time and a place. Occasionally, I like to hear a bitch scream, but usually not. The only thing that screaming is going to get you around here is a lot of punishment. And, if you do it habitually, I will just keep the ball gag in your mouth all the time. It'll only be taken out for you to eat and suck. I've already told you about talking. Don't try to initiate a conversation. Don't say anything. You will be punished. If you're a smoker, now's a good time to quit. I'm not going to buy your cigarettes, and if you ask for one, the only thing you're going to get is a few whip marks. Remember, when you're asked the question, you say yes master, or no master. If you have to go to the restroom, it is master or mistress. May I please go to the restroom? Anytime that you are given a command, always acknowledge the order verbally. Yes, master. And then obey that order. That's not too difficult. A bright little thing like you should be able to learn it real fast. There are going to be times when you are under stress. A certain amount of stress and you may forget. But that's no excuse. Each time you fuck up, you are going to be punished. After you're here a few days, it'll eventually become automatic and it'll no longer be a problem. I realized that, after a while, when I take that gag off, you are really going to want to try to talk to me. Talk me into turning you loose and such. It's because with your wrists and ankles chained, your mouth is the only defense you have. But don't do it. It won't work and all it will bring is punishment. Your first day here is not going to be too difficult. There won't be any serious dungeon games. Your training has already been initiated. So you'll have to be very careful what you say and how you act. But for the most part, there's going to be a little exploring. We will become very familiar with your body and do a little fucking and sucking. We may tease you a little bit with some of our more humane toys, but nothing serious. It's going to be kind of an adjustment period. Don't say anything. Don't struggle or resist, no matter what we do. 
because we are going to start enforcing the rules immediately. Now later, I'm going to be asking you a bunch of questions, since I'm going to be caring for your body for the next month, two, or three. There are certain things that I need to know. I have prepared a questionnaire that I fill out with each new captive. Some of the questions are going to be embarrassing, but you should answer them truthfully and completely. You damn well better. I don't want to catch you in a lie. The questions will be in reference to your physical condition, any medical conditions that I need to know about, medications, sex habits, sexual performances, any childbirth you might have had, period dates, and so forth. Now your training has already started. Each time I ask you one of these questions on the questionnaire, there's going to be a proper way to answer it, which I'll tell you about in a few minutes. While we go through the questionnaire, you're going to be strapped down on a gynecology table. Your feet will be in stirrups and your knees will be pulled wide apart with everything exposed. I like to keep a girl that way while she's answering the question so I can examine and verify uh, anything she might tell me which would affect her use as a sex slave. If you do have any kind of medical condition, by all means, let me know. We'll discuss it and we may make adjustments. We won't turn you loose, but we may make adjustments. We're probably going to be starting on this questionnaire pretty soon. You will be naked, and as I said, you'll be strapped down on a gynecology table so you can't wiggle or squirm around. You will be talking quite a bit, answering questions, so I'm sure that will start on your speech training at the same time. Consequently, before we start on the questionnaire, two small electrical clamps will be put on your nipples. Each time a question is asked, you will respond properly. For instance, if I ask you how old you are, you will respond by saying, Master, I'm 19 years old. Answer the question completely and say nothing else. If the question requires a yes or no answer, say yes master or no master. If I ask you your period dates, you say master, my period is so and so. If I ask you about childbirth, you say no master or master, I had a baby a year ago or whatever. Always start each sentence by saying master and take your time. We're not going to be in any hurry. Think about what you're going to say before you say it because each time you fuck up, I'm going to press a little button and send a few thousand volts of electricity through your nipples right down into your tits. You are in training, so it will just be a quick blast. I'm not going to hold it down and torture you, but each time you screw up, it's going to be a little worse. So take your time. Answer the questions properly. I'm not going to push you. We're not going to be in any hurry. Think about each thing you're going to say and be damn sure and start your sentence with master. If you get through that okay, get your speech down pat, keep your mouth shut and don't give us any trouble, then the first day is going to be real pleasant for everybody. I'm going to put some dildos in those holes between your legs, but they will not be big ones. Basically, I just want to become very familiar with your sex organs and the size of your holes. All girls are different. During the course of the day, you're going to be raped several times, but that's no big deal. The second day, after you get totally familiar with the rules and procedures, we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. A lot of it will not be very pleasant for you, but you might as well get used to it because it's going to be like that for a while. Eventually, things will settle down a little. Then, just take it day by day. Well, I believe I've told you everything that I can. I cannot predict the future. I cannot predict changes of procedure. But, if this tape is being played for you, I have to assume that it is still reasonably accurate. And I can only give you advice. Be smart and be a survivor. Don't ever scream. Don't talk without permission. Be very quiet. Be docile and obedient. And by all means, show proper respect. Have a nice day. Fuck you, douchebag. If I didn't know any better. If you told me that was Fifty Shades of Grey, I wouldn't know any different. 
but thank you all for tuning back into the second part of our two-part anthology of horror series on David Parker Ray, aka the Toy Box Killer. I will have another, hopefully not another two-parter, but it might be up probably within the week, if not within the day. Uh, as always, if you guys, fuck you, Siri. If you guys have any question, comments, or concerns, please do not hesitate to get in touch with me on Instagram.com slash DukeLandis17. That's Instagram.com slash D-U-K-E-L-A-N-D-I-S-1-7. If I don't respond, or it says that I read it and didn't respond, please, please know I have very, very stupid Instagram page managers. Uh, they will... They're about to be replaced. But... I will get back to you as soon as I see your message, I promise you, and I appreciate each and every one of you that's reached out, that's rated me five stars, that has subscribed to the channel. Thank you very much. Please continue to spread the word. Uh, and today for our regional shout-outs, I'm going to go ahead and check my map here and see who the most talkative state is or country. All right, for the last episode, it was... It's been Texas almost predominantly for a couple of weeks now. Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Uh, looks like it's Ohio. Thank you very much, Ohio. I'll see what I can find for you guys, and I will do something special. Please continue to spread the word. Uh, okay, it originated in Miamisburg, Ohio. 